Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Stephen Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite. Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. Sports, entertainment, little to no culture. It's time for Unsportsmanlike Conduct with Ed Graney and Adam Hill. Hey, welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by Blue Wire. We're your hosts, Ed Graney and Adam Hill, and we're here each week to give you some of our thoughts on Las Vegas Raiders. We're entering into the world of news and other topics we find interesting. Here we go, Adam. Playoff implications. I don't think a month ago either would either of us would have said that. But the Raiders meet the Chargers on Sunday night football, prime time. Winner goes to the playoffs. By the time it kicks off, we'll know all the seeding possibilities and where the winner might fall. Um, just your overall thoughts. Uh, a month ago, I don't think we would have said this, like I said, but your overall thoughts and how we got here, and then we'll go over some specifics about the game. Yeah, I think if you would have said a month ago that you know the game had playoff implications, I would have I would have believed you. Um, I would have thought you meant for the Chargers, uh, and right. I also. Uh, would have thought, okay, yeah, maybe if the Raiders win and like three other things happen, uh, they could find a way in. But I, yeah, I think the, you know, the surprising part maybe is that this is a, you know, a win and you're in. It's you, you win. You don't need any help. Like you, you're in control of your own destiny, and it's because of the work the Raiders have done the last month. I thought it was really, um, you know, important and it's a, it's a real key thing to, you know, kind of put in perspective that Derek Carr was asked yesterday about. Hey, you've you know you're in a playoff game here. It's do or die, and and you know it's the biggest game of your life. And he said, "Well, the last three have been. I mean, right. we've been playing playoff games for a month at this point, which is true. Uh, the Raiders needed to win all these games, and they were somehow able to do that. And uh, I think that's kind of been indicative of how they've played these last few games. Of you know they haven't played well necessarily. Uh, they haven't blown anybody away." Uh, they've they've played some ugly games that they found a way to win, and that's kind of what this you know football this time of year is about. So um, this team has been in playoff mode for a little bit. All right, let's get to the game. Uh, let's go. And I know uh, we were on the Zoom yesterday with Derek Carr. I want to know if you think there's any carryover of the Josie, Joey Bosa comments. The Chargers won the last game, twenty eight fourteen. His point was, if you can get to Derek Carr and you can hit him, uh, he becomes a little soft. Uh, said that after that game, asked Derek Carr about it. Of course, he gives the answer you'd expect him to. Uh, loves Joey Bosa, great player, doesn't care about anything like that. Uh, nobody believes that's true. And Joey Bosa, I mean, Joey Bosa was talking crap to Drew Locke last week, which is hilarious because Drew Locke was trying to talk back at him. And I don't know who Drew Locke could ever talk crap to, and it didn't make any sense. But do you think there's carryover? And really, at the end of the day, does it mean anything? I mean, they're either going to play how they are or not. I mean, they're going to play well or not. So I don't know if him talking, you know, what the last time they met means anything. Yeah, I don't know that it means anything. I, th- I think it would mean a lot more if the game wasn't as important as it was in the standings to both teams. Um, if this was just a normal end of the season game, uh, you know, one of those games that was irrelevant to the playoff picture, I think it would mean a lot more. It would be a lot more talked about uh, going into this week. Uh, but I think the fact that the stakes are so high for both teams in terms of the postseason has kind of, you know, pushed that other part off to the back burner. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it means something. And I think it'll mean something to not only them, but their teammates. I think you'll see 
you know, some of the offensive players on the on the Raiders probably have a little bit more attention. Maybe the offensive line goes after Bosa a little bit more. Um, maybe the you know the the Chargers defense comes to his defense a little more. But, it, but like, it's not going to matter while the game is being played, right? It'll be more between plays and. You know, if there's anything said, it'll be between the plays and that sort of thing. It'll be discussion. I think it'll be brought up, um, but I don't. You know, I don't think it, it takes any effect on the on the outcome. I don't think it, it plays into you know who wins or loses. I don't think there's any more motivation uh, necessarily. I think the motivation is getting to the playoffs. So um, it's a side story. It's fun for us. It's fun for fans. I think, uh, but really doesn't matter to how the game is going to be played. I do think it's interesting. I don't know if you were able to watch Hard Knocks. Um, as we're, what, this is Thursday as we're speaking, it was, uh, came out Wednesday night. Uh, I was very much looking forward to this episode because it was going to be the one that focused on, you know, preparations for the Raiders week. Now this is, Um, this is the Colts you're talking about. Yeah. In season hard knocks for the Colts is on right Right. now. I watch it every week. I'm obsessed with hard knocks. I always have been. Uh, so I watch every episode, but this one I was very excited about because it was, you know, behind the scenes of, of Raiders preparation week one, I think, uh, it showed quite a bit how, Carson Wentz was absolutely not prepared for that game. And, you know, I think the outcome might have been different if Carson Wentz had been able to practice last week. But, hey, that's what everybody's dealing with. The Raiders would like to have their full complement of guys as well. Uh, No question. But the defensive meetings for the Colts were really not that much different than what Joey Bosa said. Really? It was pretty interesting. I mean, they – you know, they, they showed their defense exactly what can happen when Carr gets into a rhythm, when Carr gets hot uh, and he starts dealing. And they're like, hey, if you let this guy settle in and he gets it, he gets into a rhythm, he will kill you. He will crush you. But he go, they said, um, if you, you know, if you get to him, he won't turn it over once. He'll turn it over twice or three times. Like he will give you the ball if you if you put some pressure on him, which is exactly what Joey Bosa was saying. It's exactly what Bosa said. Yeah, so you know, pretty interesting that the Colts had the same kind of perspective. You know, although they, of course, you know, had that other side of it too, which Carr want, Carr wants to make clear, and he said it yesterday in the press conference. He goes, "Hey, you guys forgot the part where he said I'm a great player. Why'd you leave that right, part out?" Right. Well, of course, everybody's going to go to uh, you know the part where it was different than that. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was really, really interesting that the Colts' defensive meetings were very similar to what Joey Bosa said. I think actually you were the one to go negative because I think you were the one who asked Derek Carr that question and you refused to take the positive angle like usual. <laughs> no, I don't think there's, you know, I don't think there's, you are the one who asked the question. Yeah, I was uh, for sure, but I mean, I, I was going to, and I it was kind of a, a deal is the wrong word, but you know, I, I had spoken with one of the Chargers beat writers, uh, Gilbert Manzano, good friend of the of the show, good friend of well, us, Manzano. Uh, and and you know, we both wanted to hear their side. So I said, Hey, I'll ask Carr as long as you ask Bosa, uh, we can make sure we get both, you know, both sides of that this week. So, um, yeah, he, Joey Bosa, I believe speaks today, if I'm not mistaken, and we'll get to hear. He talks today. He talks today. Yeah. We'll get to hear his side of that as well. But yeah, it it was today, meaning Thursday by this is when we're, we're taking this on Thursday. Sure. Yeah. So, um, but you know, by the time we hear this, you'll probably know what Joey Bosa had to say. And, um, I'm sure, you know, he'll say he's more worried about the game and focused on the game and trying to get to the playoffs than he is any kind of personal rivalry with Derek Carr, but it's going to be a storyline. I will I will promise you it's mentioned on the broadcast. You know, for those that are getting ready to watch the game on Sunday, they'll talk about it. Uh, let me ask you this, because you talk about Joey Bosa and that defensive front. Uh, the, you know, the feeling is the Raiders offensive line now, 
they had to get better because they couldn't be any worse than they were most of the season. Uh, but the feeling is they played better in recent weeks. Do you think they're up to the challenge? Are they playing that much better? Or are you still worried that they're just not going to be able to block these guys? Well, they've been inconsistent. I mean, they've been better. Um, I think you, you know, Colton Miller has been pretty solid for the full season. Andre James is the one I think you circle and say, hey, he's gotten a lot better this season. Um, he is. He went from early in the season just abysmal for the first six weeks uh, to serviceable in the middle of the season to actually pretty good down the stretch. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and it helps. Like it's it doesn't fix your entire offensive line, but when you go from having one guy who's playing at a very high level to two, right now right. all of a sudden you're like, okay, n- now the unit is a little bit better as a whole. You know, one guy can't carry him, but two is a little bit closer. Um, and I think Simpson hasn't been great in between them, but he's been the beneficiary of them playing really well. Uh, so he's been brought up a little bit. Brandon Parker is the one where you you look at it and say, all right, there's some games where he's been good. Um, what two games ago it was against Denver, who's really good. Uh, last week, not so good against the Colts. Um, he's been inconsistent. Like he's the one that you want you want to look at and say, hey, when he plays really well, the line is much much better off as a whole, and and he's had those you know those occasional bursts of playing at a really high level. So they're going to need him too. He'll be lined up against Bosa quite a bit. Uh, he needs to play very well uh, for this team to play well and for the offensive line to function at a high level. So uh, I think that's a guy maybe to circle to watch. I know it's tough for um, it's tough for everyone to watch offensive line play uh, during right, the game because sure. you're focused on the ball, you're focused on the skill players and all that other thing, all that other stuff. But if you want to focus on one guy, um, I, uh, to me, Parker is the guy to kind of focus on and see, okay, how how is how how is he going to play, and that will help determine how the rest of the line is going to play. All right, so let's get to Justin Herbert. Uh, three touchdown passes in the first half. The last time these guys played. Like I said, 28-14, the Chargers win the game. Uh, He's going to start for the AFC in the Pro Bowl this year. He just set the franchise record for touchdown passes with 35 in a single season. So the switch to Brandon Staley obviously was not the huge learning curve that a lot of people thought it would be once they fired Anthony Lynn. Um, I don't know if you've watched film yet or you've seen him uh, recently, but I – I just believe if he plays at his absolute best, they can't beat the Chargers. Now, that's saying a lot because a couple of weeks ago against Houston, we watched him on TV and he wasn't at his absolute best, although he's missing a lot of guys. Um, you know, give me your thoughts on Justin Herbert, uh, the, what you've seen this year, comparative to his phenomenal rookie year. Um, he still seems really, really good, and he still seems like he's grasped so what Staley wants him to do. They're running some RPO with him. They're doing a, a lot of those keepers with him. Um, we talked to defensive players from the Raiders yesterday. You know, I think KJ Wright said, well, once he gets to, you know, not a lot of guys can go one read, two read, three read. He can do that. Um, he's very creative when he gets out of the when he gets out of the um, pocket. I know Staley. I heard Staley on the Rich Eisen show earlier this week, and he said when he's at his best, he's out of the pocket because he can make the second play when the first one breaks down. So give me your thoughts on Justin Herbert. And if he's at his best, can the Raiders win this game? He defies a lot of things, right? So. He he's a really good player. There's no question about it. And you, you look at the stats and traditional stats. He's he's been very good. Um, there's no question about that. Last year, he was unbelievable against pressure. Um, it was it, he was number one in the league actually against pressure, which is astonishing for a rookie. Um, and I think a lot of people took that as wow, he's really good in those situations. But really, if you look traditionally, uh, that is that is a high variant stat, which means from year to year. Like, you don't see the same guys at the top of that list. Right. So right. what that would tell you is it's kind of fluky. 
it's it's a fluke stat. It's 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 hey, you're you know under pressure, you're finding guys, you're able, you know, there's some good reads in your offense. You're making some of those good reads, but for the most part, that's not really on the quarterback being great against pressure. That's some things breaking your way. Um, but what what they did is they addressed that and they got him much better on the offensive line, so he wouldn't have to face pressure as often. Um, and this year, he hasn't been as good against pressure as we would expect, uh, but he's still been very very good. Uh, and you look at some of the other things. He has a lot of off games. I mean, you mentioned the Houston game. There's been, there was a stretch last year during his rookie year, four straight games where he was pretty bad. Uh, this year he has had some really ugly games as well. Um, but he's, he's still put up numbers as a whole. I mean, you look at the Kansas city chiefs game. He was great. Um, other games he's, he's really, um, he's really stood out and just been phenomenal. Uh, but you look inside those numbers a little bit. He throws into pressure way too often. Uh, he's number one at targeting covered receivers, uh, which means he's trusting his arm for one thing. Uh, but also, his receivers are number one at catching passes uh, when they're when they're covered very tightly. Uh, which again doesn't seem like a stat that, that is going to be you know carrying over for very long. It's sort of a lucky stat. So each year we're seeing him really succeed at a high level in some of the really lucky stats that, that there are. But he's doing it in different ways, so it's it's kind of tough to to really put him in a box of where he is, where he stands, except to say he's unbelievably talented. When he's when he's playing well, there's few quarterbacks better than him in the league. But we've seen a lot of the inconsistency, so I think the Raiders are going to want to put him in tough spots. But again, a guy that succeeded under pressure and a guy that succeeded into coverage, uh, those are tough things to counter because you want to pressure somebody and you want to cover guys. Uh, but he's been good against those. So it's it's really, really weird uh, to kind of prepare for him and to get ready for him. Um, I'm sure the Raiders have seen some things. Um, you know, obviously, Gus Bradley uh, knows a little bit about Justin Herbert being around him a little bit. So uh, I'm sure they'll have a plan. I'm sure they're going to have something they want to do. Uh, but those are those are really weird stats to try to try to prepare for. When you're like, well, so you, you don't want to cover guys closely? Is that it? Uh, you don't want to pressure him? That, like, it, that's weird. Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Stephen Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite. Let me have, and I want to go over this uh, on this game before we give our predictions, get on some other things. Give me your one and two, your top two uh, things that you believe has to happen for the Raiders to win this game. Um, I think you just well, mentioned a lot of it with Justin Herbert, by the way. It is. I mean, it's it's forced turnovers, I guess. I mean, that's that's one. They haven't done a great job of that this season. Um, they need They need to find a way to do it. They need to find a way to put their offense in better positions. Uh, and make that happen. Uh, so I, w- I would say that's probably one of the things that they really want to do. Um, and I, and I, I am not a believer in running the ball and stopping the run. You know, those 1980s football philosophies, not really my thing. Um, but I do think, I do think they have to establish the run only, only because it shows that the offensive line can play better. Like when, I think when they're running the ball, well, they, they pass block better. Um, and they put the defense in, in tougher positions. So you have to run the ball and able to set up the play action and able to set up the passing game uh, to get the offensive line blocking 
uh, you know, together playing, playing more cohesively. Uh, they seem to like the run and they, that seems to be what sets them up. So I guess establish the run for that, um, you know, for that purpose and, and force turnovers, like I said, I mean, it, it's tough to, you know, it, it's tough to do things that you haven't really, that haven't really been your identity and those haven't really been their identity this year, but um, it just feels like that's what they want to do. And, you know, it, as crazy it is, I think get lucky. Uh, there's, you know, there's some things that have gone their way on the field this year. As much as gone their way off the field, or it's gone, excuse me, as much as it's gone against them off the field, and most of that is their own doing, um, things have gone very, very well in, in getting breaks on the field. I mean, the amount of pass interference yardage they've gained, the amount of, you know, penalties, penalty yardage they've gained against the defense has been, you know, very fluky. Um, a lot of the things that have gone their way in terms of, you know, COVID for the other teams and, you know, other teams not being able to practice and all those things have, have gone their way, have worked out well. Uh, going against backup quarterbacks has gone their way. Like a lot of things have gone their way this year uh, on the field. And so you want to just keep that going. And there, there's no way to control that. Um, but, you know, I think they want to, what they'd say is they want to go out and make their own breaks. And that's probably going to be a key to this game. I actually think another key would be if Darren Waller could play for a few reasons. Uh, now, the Chargers would see pretty early on if he was 100%. Um, but no player, I think, last year was bracketed more than Darren Waller. And I don't know if they'd come out and do that because they have to see if he can even run. But even a Darren Waller at 80%, even as a decoy for you know the Hunter Renfros and the Jay Joneses, I think could go a long way in helping the Raiders do what they haven't done and have a good offense because they haven't been good offensively for most of the season, actually, and certainly not lately. Uh, I do think it would be a big deal if he played. Now, again, the Chargers could see within one or two plays if he's right or not. And if he's not right, they wouldn't have to really, you know, put as much attention on him. But if he's right and he can go and he and he looks like he's and he looks like he's good running and they see that, I think that could really help out Derek Carr, even if you're not throwing to him. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think he goes beyond that. It's because you can't just wait till game day to determine how you're going to cover him either. I mean, you have to. You can adjust, but you have to make a plan. And so I think that's part of they've, – they've said this out loud too. It's not like this is a secret. Part of why they've had Mariota play uh, in certain situations and, and been on the field is to make other teams prepare for that. Right. Um, you know, you, you take an hour out of your practice or out of your meeting time and discuss, all right, what do we do when Marcus Mariota comes in the game? Well, that's taken away from you prepping for the base package. So I think the same works for Waller. Just Waller being in practice and the threat of him potentially playing forces the Chargers to prepare. What do we do if he's on the field? What do we do if he's playing at a high level? What do we do if he's not his normal self? What do we do if they just put him in for a couple plays and you know say, hey, he's going to be able to go full speed for four plays? Well, we need to be ready for those four plays. So like just taking the time away from their preparation uh, to work on Darren Waller and to try to figure out how to stop Darren Waller is going to be you know something that's important for the Raiders this week. Prediction time. I will say Chargers 23, Raiders 17. It's not bad. It's about right where the Raiders have been offensively for the last few weeks. I'm going to say I'm going to say 28-27 Raiders. Whoa. And the, the Chargers miss uh, You know what? I was going to say they missed like three field goals because, you know, it's just kind of a the way that the season has gone, a lot of breaks going the Raiders way, but the Chargers really don't try many field goals. Uh, and I know they wouldn't if they missed a couple. Uh, they 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 actually play the game the right way, the cautious way, by going for it on fourth downs and um, and going for two point conversions and such. Uh, the cautious way uh, that's important to note. Um, 
God, I'll, I'll say, yeah, I'll say 28-27 Raiders, uh, but the Chargers fail on fourth and goal four times in the game. Okay, boy, that is out of control. I'm sure that'll be one of our props. Finally, I was listening to you on the radio recently. You've got to you got to relay this story to people because I only caught a snippet of it. I only caught a little of it. I'm assuming this happened in Cleveland, but somewhere along a baggage carousel, you saw some little kid get whacked in the head and start bleeding. Is this correct or did I hear it wrong? <laughs> yes. What, what happened here? Because you were in Cleveland. Uh, was it Cleveland or Indianapolis? Where were you when this happened? Indianapolis. Okay, it was Indianapolis last week for the Colts game. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it was wild kids kind of running around. Um, I loved the kids. I actually despised the father of these kids. Why is that? But also, it's tough to it's tough to judge from the outside. And you are a father. I am not. Um, this guy had like, I'm going to say this is probably an exaggeration. There was five kids. I think they were between like like four and six. Oh. I'm like, I don't know how that's possible, oh. but like all the kids were the same age oh. and they're all just wild. And I, listen, I, I know what that's like. My, me and my brothers were, it was three of us and we were like basically less than three years apart. Yeah. Complete lunatic. So, so, you know, it's tough and we were wild kids and these kids were wild too. Uh, the dad had clearly been beaten down. He was just mean, um, just kind of yelling at them, but not even yelling. He's like, "All right, all right." Like he's just he's just grumpy. Now, do you do you believe they were on your flight from Vegas? Yeah, they're, yeah, you're, yeah. You're their your sure. baggage carousel. Okay, it was. It's the wild. It's by the way, the entire flight was the wildest flight I've ever experienced in my life. Um, there was first of all delayed because a a lady had forgotten her ID on the flight before. Oh, it was like insistent that they find it for her, oh. and they checked. They went down and checked like five times, and they kept coming out and saying, "Ma'am, it's not there." Oh no! Uh, and they couldn't do it. And then uh, they had to call up. <laughs> they had to call up nine different passengers to the gate because, uh, as it turns out, somebody from the flight before had gotten violently ill. Oh god! And so they had to they had to reassign seats for like nine different people because nine seats were out of commission. Uh, which I was like, "Wow, nine seats! That's uh, quite the projectile." That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, and then there was a guy that had been pacing. Uh, he had been pacing like the the terminal for about twenty minutes as we're getting ready to board. Turned out he's like in his fifties, probably maybe sixties. Had never flown before oh, and was panicked about what it. What a disaster on all ends. Uh, well, and then he finally they finally convinced him to get on the flight, and then he locked himself in the bathroom and wouldn't come out. You serious? Yes. This is like a comedy show. Yeah, it could be a book. And and actually at the baggage claim, I was talking to a guy that was on the flight like, man, this is nuts. And he goes, you, he's like, somebody should write a book. And I'm like, well, I'm actually a writer. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> he's like, That's, that flight could be a book. I'm like, yeah, it was nuts. Uh, but yeah, the kids are running wild around. And, you know, and as we're talking about the flight, how you know, what else could be crazy from this flight? Uh, one kid trips the other, falls down, bangs their head oh. on the carousel. It's not funny, except to know that he was okay. It's not like you know the kid didn't die. How much? He was just how much blood? Crying. Not that much, but enough that we were like, oh, now we got to move the carousel. What the dad say? He was like, "I told you this was gonna happen." <laughs> like, all right. Like, I think I think the dad's energy affected the kids. Like, it made them kind of wild too. Or. Maybe the kids are just so wild that the dad has just had it. Well, did the nut job in the bathroom ever come out for the for the landing? Did they make him come out, or did they let him land in the uh, in the uh, bathroom? 
Ed, it was before the flight. We, we oh, couldn't take off. No. Banging on the door like the lunatic? The, his his wife and daughter were with him. I don't know where they were going. It, it had to be some very serious family thing that they finally made the guy fly. Um, You know, I, I would just assume there was, you know, a wedding or a, some family event, a funeral, something. Like, because clearly he didn't want to ever fly and they were making him fly. And they weren't like, they listen, the wife and the daughter were angels. <laughs> like, I felt so bad for uh. them. They were apologizing to everybody and crying and. Um, it was it was a terrible scene, and it's one of those things that like, hey, if this was the only thing that happened on the flight, you'd be like, all right, you know, whatever, that that's fine. But the fact that it was like one of nineteen crazy things that happened. This is crazier than, um, than the than the movie Airplane with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Sure, it could have been. I was like, how how do all these things happen on one flight? All you're missing is the one guy like jabbing the uh, sword in his chest and killing himself because the wooden, woman wouldn't stop talking. Shirley, you can't be serious. Yes. I am serious. Don't call me Shirley. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, on a, on a side note, um, Rich Passaccia, who is officially my dad's favorite person that I've ever covered. Okay. Um, my dad is just not funny, uh, but he fashions himself as hilarious. All right. Um, loves like the really silly, awful, like, you know, quote unquote dad jokes. Sure. Um, always when we were kids would do the, you know, if your arm was hurt, he would be like, he would kind of move his arm back and forth and like, Hey, does it hurt when you go like this? <laughs> like, yes. And then don't go like this. Rich Passaccia has now done that joke twice. <laughs> I have not. I heard the first time I didn't hear the second. It's almost like the dad joke, the kids going out on new year's Eve. Hey, I'll see you next year. <laughs> yes, I mean, like along those lines for sure. Uh, so yeah, my my dad was like, "Hey, is he really doing my jokes?" I'm like, "Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, he's right up your alley." It's it's uh, you know for those that haven't followed all Rich Passaccia, the first you know the first uh, press conference that he did, he said, you know, following in his dad's footsteps, his dad was the coach of the Giants. He just never told anybody, um, which was a joke. Right. It was just so weirdly delivered that we all started Googling, like, wait, was yes. Rich Versace's dad the coach exactly. of the Giants? I remember that. I jumped on Google. I'm like, this guy's dad? <laughs> yes. well, shouldn't we have known this? Shouldn't we have heard about this before? Sure. Um, um, so he he's tried some jokes. Now, the most recently did the – when Derek Carr hurt his ribs, Versace said, well, Derek said it hurts when he coughs, so I told him not, not to, to cough. cough. Yeah. Which was his – you know, that was his big zinger. Uh He's great. I love. Listen, I love Rich Passaccia, and I, I think he's a a tremendous guy. He's not a comedian. No, he's not. Well, he better not be worrying. I think he's funny, though. I do think he's funny. He's just he's not good at delivering jokes. Well, he better not be uh, worrying about jokes on Sunday night. That's a huge game. Uh, Chargers at the Raiders will have all your coverage. Adam and I'll be out there with all the RJ people. And here it is, Raider fans. This is what you wanted: a chance to go to the playoffs for the first time in two thousand since two thousand sixteen, and before that, it was two thousand two. So pay attention. And uh, we'll see if uh, the Raiders can do it and get there. That's going to do it for our latest edition on Sports My Conduct for the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casinos, ST and Sports, and presented by Blue Wire. Remember now, there are new episodes of Vegas Nation every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to Vegas Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcasting app. You can also check out Vegas Nation Game Day, where we preview the Raiders and Chargers. Find all that coverage and more at VegasNation.com. For our producer, Larry Meir, and my co-host, Adam Hill, I'm Ed Graney. We'll talk to you next week. Maybe going to Buffalo for the playoffs.
Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Stephen Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite.